Welcome to the Living Rock Podcast. We're so glad that you're joining us to listen to this message. Whoever you are and wherever you're listening from, we trust that you'll be equipped, envisioned and encouraged as you listen today. Last week shared from the Psalms, so we just want to continue that theme. And um, if we could all turn to Psalm 16, which is a Psalm of David. And I always find David um, an amazing character because the Bible talks about him in these terms. It says that he is a, a great warrior, a great king, he's a giant killer, a leader, a worshipper a poet, he's a very humble man, and he's a shepherd. But in the same Bible that I read, it says that he's sinful, he's an adulterer, he's a murderer, he's a betrayer, he's a liar, and he's a very deceptive man. He's a man. But in Acts 13, you find this verse, it says... I found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart, and he will do anything I want him to do. And the Psalms, so often, is a cry of our own hearts. We read the Psalms, well, I read the Psalms anyway, and certainly I apply them to myself. We may not have committed murder, we may not have committed adultery, but we often fail, and we feel low, and we feel very inadequate. But God, in Titus it says this, because of his grace he has made us right in his sight and has gave us confidence to inherit eternal life. And in Romans it says, yet God in his grace freely, freely makes us right in his sight. And he did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty of sin. And we need to remind ourselves of that every day, that God has set us free And that he has made us right in his sight. Now I know that's hard for some of us to accept. But it's the word of God. It's the word of God to us that God has made us right in his sight. And in 1 John 1 9 it says if we confess our sins to him. He is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all wickedness. In the King James it says from all unrighteousness. And that's where we need to start when we read the Psalms, that we are mere human beings, but God has made us right in his sight, that he has lifted us up and he's put our feet upon a rock and he has blessed us with every spiritual blessing. That's a great place to start. So, Psalm 16. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. Keep me safe, O God, for I have come to you for refuge. I said to the Lord, you are my master. Everything good I have comes from you. The godly people in the land are my true heroes. I take pleasure in them. Troubles multiply for those who chase after other gods. I will not take part in their sacrifices of blood or even speak the names of their gods. Lord, you alone are my inheritance, my cup of blessing. 
You guard all that is mine. The land you have given me is a pleasant land. What a wonderful inheritance. I will bless the Lord who guides me. Even at night my heart instructs me. I know the Lord is always with me. I will not be shaken for he is right beside me. No wonder my heart is glad and I rejoice. My body rests in safety. For you will not leave my soul among the dead or allow your Holy One to rot in the grave. You will show me the way of life, granting me the joy of your presence and pleasures for living forevermore. That's a good psalm. This psalm is also known as a psalm of trust or a prayer of safekeeping. Some versions title this psalm as a, a meek term, which is derived from the word to cover. And it also means a secret treasure or the apple of someone's eye. And you are precious to God. You are the apple of his eye. Not corporately, but the person, not the person sat next to you, but you. You. Each one of you is the apple to God's eye, really. Don't sound too excited about that. But you are the apple of God's eye. It's not a corporate thing. God has each of us very much in mind. Because in Peter 2.9 it says that we are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's own possession. And as a result, you can show others the goodness of God because he's called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. So the first verse says, keep me safe, O God, for I come to you for refuge, the petition, if you like. And how often have we all prayed that prayer? But there's no one better, no safer place to be than in the refuge of God. It's a place that gives us complete protection and shelter from danger, temptation and unhappiness. It's a safe place to be, a safe state to be to shelter from the pursuit or the difficulties of life and the pressures of life. In in the Psalms, in Psalm 5.11, it says this, But let all who take refuge in you rejoice. Let them sing joyfully praises forever. Spread your protection over them, for all who love your name may be filled with joy. And in Psalm 9.9, it says, The Lord is a shelter for the oppressed a refuge in times of trouble. And in Psalm 119, 114, it says, You are my refuge and my shield. Your word is my source of hope. So I thought I'd just drop that in. People get upset because I keep mentioning the word. But the word of God is the source of help to us. It's, and in Psalm 118, verse 8, it says, It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in people. Because only in him is true safety. Not money, position, power, influence. Only in the Lord. And today if you feel pressure and you want protection, you feel oppressed, you want hope, call upon the Lord. Because he is the only one who can give us that. In verse 2 it says, I said to the Lord, you are my master. Everything good comes from you. The godly people in the land are my true heroes. I will take pleasure in them. Troubles multiply for those who chase after other gods and I will not take part in their sacrifices of blood 
or even speak the names of their other gods. The Lord is the only one good thing. He is the only one who adds good things to our lives. In Proverbs 10.22 it says, The blessing of the Lord makes a person rich and adds no sorrow to it. He is the master and only he can really satisfy our desires. And everything that is good comes from God. And I just want to encourage you at this point to listen to Roger Aubrey on the Bible Week podcast about God is good. It is the most... Sometimes we have expressions in the church, don't we? And we say, God is good, God is good. And we say things sometimes, I've been guilty of this, and we have no idea what it means, but it sounds good. Uh, You know, we go, God is good, God is good. But this preach that um, Roger gives is the most outstanding and the most expletive, is that the word, meaning of that that sentence I've ever, ever heard. So I really want people to listen to that podcast. It is amazing. So that's all I'm going to say about that. But God is good always. Because Jesus Christ is the same today, yesterday and forever, or yesterday, today and forever. And that's his state of being. God isn't going to change. And our life, our love, our commitment to him isn't dependent on our circumstances. Indeed, our life, our love and our commitment to one another is not dependent on our circumstances. Because we should always be full of joy. I'm always enticed by that scripture in Acts where Peter, Paul and, sorry, Paul and Silas are in prison. And they've got the, it says in the word that their feet are in chains and at midnight... They're praying and singing hymns to the Lord. And the prisoners are listening. And they're set free. But there are times in my life when I don't feel like worshipping God. Don't look shocked. And there are times in my life when I don't feel like praying. And there are times in my life when I don't feel like reading the word. And there are certainly times in my life when I don't like spending time with the people of God. And it's times like that that I need to remember who he is that he's made me right in his sight, that he's faithful, that he's forgiven me, that I am his own possession and I am his shelter. Because other people are listening. The godly people in the land are my true heroes. I take pleasure in them. So who are these godly people? Who are these heroes in the land? We can have heroes in the media. We can have heroes in the stars, you know, these you know, film stars or people in politics and they're heroes. But we can be fooled by them. And over my 34 years as a believer, the family of God are my heroes. I've known people that are recovering drug addicts, single mums left with three children, and an educated man who's become prosperous and running a business for the kingdom of God. They're heroes. Bringing up a family in the Lord, working hard and loving your wife as Christ loves the church. You've got to be a hero to do that. My wife says she's a hero being married to me when I ran ran her through the notes. (laughs) Those stepping out in faith for provision and healing, they are heroes. They are heroes of the faith. And I want to spend time with those heroes. Today in this room, there are heroes. Some of you are coping with 
adversity. I look around the room and I see how far some of you have come in God and that your faith is increasing. You are heroes. So many steadfast souls, full of faith, serving faithfully, responding to the word of God, moving in the gifts of the Spirit. Heroes, everyone. This room is full of heroes. Not the person sat next to you. You are a hero of God because you're moving in what God wants you to do. It's not that we're exclusive. It's not that we don't look outside of the body, but we need to respect and honour one another and seeing what God is doing in each of our lives. I will take pleasure in them. I take pleasure in what I see in this body, that people are moving in God every day. In 2 Corinthians 3.18 it says, So all of us who have now had the veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord and the Lord who is the Spirit makes us more and more like him as we're changed into his glorious image. The King James says that we go from glory to glory. We should bring the King James back, it's a much better translation. (laughs) We're going from glory to glory. We're becoming more like him. And that really encourages me when I see people change. I was so tempted at this point to name names, but I'm not going to do that. I don't want to embarrass people. But I look around the body and I see people who are going from glory to glory. Troubles multiply after those who chase after other gods. I will not take part in their sacrifice of blood or even speak the names of their gods. And I just say this, don't chase after other things. A god can be anything. A god can be a car. (laughs) A god can be a job. It can be money, it can be possessions, it can be a family, it can be a house. In fact, anything that we lift above the name of Jesus in our lives is a God. Anything that we place in preeminence before him. And God and troubles multiply for those who chase after other gods. And it isn't that God is threatening us, but it's a consequence. Because what happens is we take our eyes off him... And those things start to have an influence. And there's like a point in time where God's going this way and we're going that way. And then all of a sudden we say, God, why are you so far away? Because we've chased other things. And before we know where we are, we're struggling. So be careful of that. Make sure that he is preeminent in everything that we do. Lord, you alone are my inheritance, my cup of blessing. You guard all that is mine. The land you have given me is a pleasant land. What a wonderful inheritance. There's a joy over the inheritance that we receive from the Lord. And David was an inheritor of Jesus. He was in his inheritance despite his past. And I just want to say here, don't be hindered by your past. Because he is faithful and just. And he has removed our sins as far as the east is from the west. And the word says he chooses to remember it no more. So your past is not an excuse for your lack of inheritance. So I started to look at this word inheritance. And I know people have inherited a lot of money in the past. Um, Mandy and I used to know this family and they had so many aunties and uncles who died and left them thousands. It was amazing. But I've never received an inheritance. An inheritance is the, this is a dictionary definition, it says it's the practice of passing on property titles, debts, rights and obligations upon death of an individual. But that only speaks of death. 
But God wants us to live in our inheritance now because he has died and he's been raised to life. And that's what we talk about when we receive the inheritance of God. And the other thing is that when we have children, we pass on our characteristics to them. They inherit things from us. They start to look like their parents, which doesn't probably bless my children, but they look like their parents. They have the same eye color, the same skin color, the same height, same weight. (laughs) And we inherit that from them. Well, they inherit that from us. And God has given us an inheritance. We have become like him. We have taken on his characteristics. When we're born again, we take on the characteristics of God. We literally become like him. I want to turn, if you could turn your Bibles, to 2 Corinthians 5.17, which is a scripture at the moment which I can't stop reading really. We've inherited all that he is and all that he has because we have become the sons of God. And in 2 Corinthians 5.17 it says, this means that anyone, anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old has gone, the new has begun. So I'm going to have to go back to the King James, I'm sorry. Therefore, any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. He's become a new creature. And when we look in the Greek, the new creature, it comes from the word metamorphosis, which when I was at junior school was the biggest word I knew. (laughs) Because we used to keep tadpoles in a tank and they used to turn into frogs. Well, God doesn't want you to become a frog. But he's certainly taken me from a caterpillar to a butterfly. And there's something important there that we've become a new being. When we're saved, when we come into Christ, we become a new creation. So in the same scripture in Amplified says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, that is, he is grafted in, joined to him by faith in him as saviour, he is a new creature, reborn and renewed by the Holy Spirit. The old things, the previous moral and spiritual condition, have passed away. Behold, all things have become spiritually awakened in my life in the life we have completely changed when we become a creature of Christ hallelujah I'm now a butterfly not a caterpillar or a maggot (laughs) I will bless the Lord who guides me even at night my heart instructs me I know the Lord is always with me. I will not be shaken, for he is right beside me. I read a great um, quote the other day. It said, I don't always know what my future holds, but I know the one who holds my future. I don't always know what my future holds, but I know the one who holds my future. 
So often we make our own plans, we head off, and then we go, Lord, what's happening? Why is this happening? And it's important that we spend time with God and we allow him to speak to us. That we're continuing with those who are thinking and praying about God. We're communicating to him for counsel, <coughs> guidance and direction. And um, yesterday I put a DVD on. And I know I've said this before, but again, this is something I really want to get over to people about the DVD commentary. So I put a DVD commentary on and I started to watch this film and it was saying, well, that's over there, that's over there. And God wants to have a DVD commentary in your life. He wants you to know his promptings all the time so that when we're doing things, God is saying, no, don't pick that up, pick that up, speak to that person, don't do that, go this way, pray for that person. And that must be a wonderful way to live. And that has really captured me since Bible Week, that I want to live like that. And it's, called, it's actually called life in the spirit. But that's how we should be. We should be looking to God all the time. So that when we get to a point in our lives and we say, why are we here? We're there because God wants us to be there. It's interesting, it makes reference to sleepless nights. And I read a commentary about this, and it said, you know, sometimes a sleepless night is an opportunity for God to instruct us. And I've often found that when I have a sleepless night, rather than just rolling around in bed for three hours and annoying Mandy, I normally find that if I get up and pray, God will give me an answer to something, and then I go straight back to sleep. So if you wake up in the night, don't feel it's insomnia. God might want to speak to you. And I want to encourage you in that. God may want to speak to you in the night. You see, because as believers, we're not exempt from things that happen to us. We, both, we all experience pain and trouble and failure at times. But as the word of God says, you know, the sun shines on the righteous and the unrighteous and rains on the righteous and the unrighteous. But, but we are with God and we are rooted in him. So we won't be shaken, providing that we're stood on the rock. And it's so important, as uh, we've all heard the, the story in Matthew 7 about the man who built his house upon the rock. And we need to make sure that we're standing in the right place with God, that our feet are on solid ground, that we're with him and we're in a good place with him at this time. And if you're not on solid ground, then you need to be because that will make, bring so much security and stability into your life. The psalm finishes by saying, No wonder my heart is glad and I rejoice. My body rests in safety, for, for, I will not leave, for you will not leave my soul among the dead or allow your Holy One to rot in the grave. You will show me the way of life, granting me the joy of your presence and the pleasures of living with you forevermore. And I just want to talk a little bit, I touched on this last week, but I want to talk a little bit about the joy of the Lord. In Nehemiah it says, Don't be dejected or sad, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. And in Romans it says, Yes, what joy for those whose records have been cleared of sin. And the joy of the Lord is our security. And Happiness is not based on happenings. Joy is based on the presence of God within us. And 
I know, knowing people, I know people who are full of joy despite desperate circumstances because their joy is based on the Spirit of God within them. It's not based on what's going on around them. And I know that's tough sometimes, and that's very difficult. But when we know who we are in Christ, where we stand, God is with us. You know, as we contemplate his daily presence, we find rest and contentment, even though things are pressing against us. And as we live a life that's in companionship with him, we know his presence more and more. And the secret to joy is the Holy Spirit. It really is. You see, because God isn't going to leave us in the grave when we die, we shouldn't fear death because we're going to be raised up with him because that's his gracious provision. And so I just want to finish by saying that the joy of the Lord is our strength. So let's read that psalm again in light of all what I've said. It might make a bit more sense. Keep me safe, O God, for I have come to you for refuge. I said to the Lord, you are my master. Every good thing I have comes from you. The godly people in the land, they are my true heroes. I will take pleasure in them. Troubles multiply for those who chase after other gods. I will not take part in their sacrifices of blood or even speak the names of their gods. Lord, you alone are my inheritance, my cup of blessing. You guard all that is mine. The land you have given me is a pleasant land. What a wonderful inheritance. I will bless the Lord who guides me. Even at night, my heart instructs me. I know the Lord is always with me. I will not be shaken, for he is right beside me. No wonder my heart is glad, and I rejoice. My body rests in safety, for you will not leave my soul among the dead or allow your Holy One to rot in the grave. You will show me the way of life, granting me the joy of your presence and pleasures for living forevermore. Amen. Father, we thank you for the wonderful truth of your word. That, Father, you are a refuge in times of trouble. That, Lord, you have surrounded us with so many heroes. And that, Lord, we take pleasure in them. That, Lord, you have given us a, an amazing inheritance. And, Lord, I pray for all of us that we would daily understand that more and more, what you have actually given us in Christ. That, Lord, your hand is always towards us to bless us, to guide us, to instruct us. And that, Lord, that, you will, that we will not be shaken because you are right beside us. And that, Lord, you have given us the joy of the Lord. And, Lord, I just pray for all of us here today that, Lord, if there are some of us who are not experiencing those things that we've spoke about this morning, that, Lord, they would seek out help, they would seek you, they would seek other heroes in the faith, and that, Lord, we would together 
come to know you more and more in his mighty name. Amen. 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 Thanks for joining us today. There's so much going on at Living Rock Church and we'd love for you to be involved. Search for us online and get information about upcoming events and more great teaching. Visit www.livingrock.church or search for us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. Thank you.